0: Hey y'all, you're listening to the Mother Far From Home podcast with me, your host, Rachel Norman. If you desperately need a common sense, down-to-earth perspective on how to mother well without losing it, living in constant stress, or needing to escape your life, you have come to the right place. Hello, mama. I am here for a super fun episode. I think this is gonna be good. I know this relates to a lot of moms. And so we're gonna be talking about this trap we get in when we repeat ourselves a million times. And we're like, stop, stop doing that. Please stop doing that. Please, please, could you stop? Could you please? Could you please? We shouldn't do that. That use your self-control. Okay, you know what I'm saying. It feels cringy, but we've all been there. And so this is what we're gonna talk about. So the thesis of this episode, I'm going to Vengual punto. I'm gonna to, right to the point of what I'm gonna get at, and that is. This is not going to be a shocker to you. We really should not repeat ourselves a million times. We really need to intervene early and we need to be guardrails. Think the bowling alley, those bumpers. Okay, let's dig in. Let's dig into more. First, I want to talk about why moms repeat themselves over and over again. So this isn't some crazy thing that you're the only one who does and it makes no sense. Like it is something that I hear from a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So if you're listening to this and you're like, is she talking about me? Yes, probably you and like a thousand other moms. Okay. Because it's super common. So one of the reasons that we end up repeating ourselves over and over again, even if we are annoyed at ourselves that we're doing it is because we want to give our kids a chance to do what they should do. So it's like, okay, stop doing that. And then we want to give them a chance to do it. Okay. Of course we do. We want them to have a chance to use their self-control. We know they have some. So we're like, come on, you do it. I'm giving you a chance. You know, I want you to, I want you to, to, you be the one that does it right. I don't want to have to step in. I don't have to get you in trouble. I don't want to have to come up with some random consequence or whatever we think we have to do. We're trying to give our kids a chance. Okay. Of course we are. The next reason is because we want our kids to have self-control. So we want them to practice and use their self-control. We want them to make good choices, right? So if we're telling our child, you know, say they're at the playground and they're messing with another kid or something, and we're trying to tell them to stop, or they're just running around all over the place, up and down the aisles at the store, whatever, or they're fighting, or they're talking really loud in the house, whatever it is. And we want to tell them to stop. We, we want to tell them But then we want them to use their self-control, right? Because we want to raise kids who have self-control, make good choices, of course. And so we give so much opportunity for them to use it, even in the face of failure. So I want to say we do this even when our kids have proven they don't have the self-control in this particular situation to succeed. So us keeping on waiting is actually, they're not able to succeed in that case, but we'll get to that later. But that's why we want them to have self-control, right? Also, some parents can feel like we have this sense, well, and this is, this comes from, you know, a grain of truth. We can't make, quote, make our kids do anything, right? And so we have this feeling like, well, I can't make my child just do everything. I want my child to want to do the right thing. So I'm just going to tell them 50 times and hope in the middle of there somewhere, they decide to want to do the right thing. Okay. We tell them this because we want to empower them. We repeat ourselves a million times because we're trying to get it across like and hoping they'll just kind of decide and then be like, yes, you know, that's right. And take it from there. These are all reasons why we do it. It's common. Lots of moms do it. Okay. However, repeating yourself a lot actually does a few things that, that it it ends. It's one of those things that we do, but we don't like it. And repeating ourselves, we do it. We don't like it. It doesn't feel good. We kind of feel embarrassed and ashamed. We kind of feel powerless because it's clear we wouldn't have had to repeat ourselves 50 times if our kids would have listened to what we said. So they didn't. So now we can feel stupid depending on where it is. You know, like if you're telling your child over and over to do something and they're just either ignoring you or they legitimately don't hear you and you think they hear you or everybody's looking whether they are or we perceive them to be, we can feel embarrassed or stupid, frustrated. And when we get super frustrated, our threats and our stop it can just can be more and more forceful. Um, Yeah, you get it. With it, we go on and on. These are all reasons because, and like I explained to my kids the other day, when we feel embarrassed, we really try to offload that feeling, that heavy feeling of embarrassment. And we'll try to put it back on and just keep, keep, keep repeating, right? What also happens though, when we repeat ourselves a lot is that we are creating this like setting of background noise for the kids to where it's just like, they don't even listen. It's like, don't do that. We don't do that. We don't, especially when we're trying to be firm in a boundary, but we're using this like fake nice voice. We really shouldn't do that. Let's not do that. You know, use your, let's use our self-control. Um, think before we act or whatever. And I'm not saying these things are wrong. Like I'm using this own fake voice that I have used myself at times. And it's just like a are you, it's like it's almost like it cancels itself out. Mom's telling me to stop doing something naughty, but she seems happy. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like it doesn't even make sense. You know, if we're gonna be like stop, then it doesn't make sense that we just tr- stop, you know? So it's kind of um canceling each other out is not the right way to say it. But it almost is is confusing might not be but i don't have the word for it but it 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 doesn't it doesn't jive it doesn't make sense it's like it when we repeat ourselves over and over and over again we start off sweet and then maybe we move into a little neutral and then we get harsh and then we scream right there's so it's like we do the full gamut of escalation and perhaps our kids just don't even listen to us until we scream and um, that i have a whole video on that coming out actually and if you think that's true it's probably right and part of it is because we've just conditioned them to basically ignore us until we totally flip out right so and another thing when repeating ourselves over and over, and don't worry, I'm going to get into what we can do instead of repeating ourselves, obviously. But a thing that repeating ourselves does is that it kind of prevents our word from having any gravitas, like any gravity, you know, it's like these car warranty letters. That's like the last time I'm ever going to give you a chance. And then they send like 50 of them, like every five days, like it's your last chance to get this car warrant, but you just get them over and you're like, Oh, okay, whatever. Oh, okay. And then you know you stop getting the letters, you know you could just call them and get one. Like it doesn't, it doesn't give you any urgency. You don't believe it. It's just like empty. It's just like a bunch of empty threats. So this is what happens if we just repeat ourselves a million times. Our word is empty. It doesn't have any weight. The kids don't have to do anything until you've said it 49 times. And then they don't have to do it until you scream. So it just, it's kind of It's allowing the kids to ignore you a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of times, which sends you off into a tizzy of powerlessness and embarrassment and shame and all these things. And then you end up screaming, maybe not, but you know, it's like it'll, and then allows your kid to keep doing over and over again, that thing that they shouldn't have been doing, um, or to not do the thing they should have been doing, whatever it is. So it, it doesn't work, but it makes perfect sense why we do it. And so if you're here listening to this, you probably want a different way to do it. And what I would say, if you're diving into this, wanting to stop repeating yourselves over and over again, part of this does come back to our boundaries. Now, I wrote an entire book on boundaries called If Mama Ain't Happy, While Having Healthy Boundaries or Minding Healthy Boundaries is Good for the Whole Family. And you can get that anywhere books are sold. You know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, well, all those places. And so I definitely encourage you to check that out because often we repeat ourselves over and over again because we don't really know what our boundary was in the first place. And we don't know where it starts. And in my book, I go into how to actually figure out what your boundaries are, because there's a couple of ways to think about boundaries. And one of them is, I'm may i making this rule and I'm telling everybody they have to do it or not do it. And that's a boundary. And that's one interpretation of a boundary. And another interpretation of the boundary, which is the kind of the way that we think about it, especially in my language of listening coaching, is that it it already is. So if you... And sleep is the easiest example. I always go back to sleep because it's just easy to explain it. If your body needs eight hours of sleep to be well-rested, that's your boundary. Anything less than that, you're tired. That's just how it is. So you might dis- you might make a routine that only gives you six hours of sleep, right? But it- you're still going to not have respected the boundary that already existed because it is-, is eight hours whether you like it or not. A lot of our boundaries just are whether we like them or not. You know, we can't stand a certain level of noise. It doesn't matter if your brain is like, it's fine. The kids are playing. Like these are happy, great noises. I'm gonna miss them. It doesn't matter because if your nervous system can't handle it, if the noise barrier boundary has been crossed, it already is. And so there's kind of a process for moms who had who have not known how to live within their boundaries or even known what they were to figure out what they are. And you need to figure out what they are in order to address them early. So that you don't end up just like going so it's kind of like you know how they say you should fill your car up at a quarter of a tank because once it gets low and then it gets a and then once it gets down there by empty, you just may or may not run out of gas and have to like coast into the gas station. You know what I'm saying, not that I've been there <laughs> except for last month this is where I was, but anyway, so we want to we want to know when we're getting close to our boundaries so that we don't have to wait and have it be crossed and then have a breakdown. Okay. So if you feel like any of that resonates with you, I definitely encourage you to go get my book. Again, it's if mama ain't happy. And that will we'll start, that'll kind of start the boundary conversation with you. But when talking about what to do if we're repeating ourselves a million times, like what to do instead is now this partly depends on the age of your child, but what I want you to take home and realize is if your child is repeatedly failing at doing something they should be doing or not doing something they shouldn't be doing, then allowing them to fail at it over and over and over and over again is not building their self-control or creating success. It's, uh, it's actually allowing them to fail. And when they fail repeatedly, they begin to believe things about themselves. And that they don't like, or you know, that probably aren't even true, and then that's how they act. So, for example, if you are trying to, okay, give me a second to think of an example because I don't want to use two recent examples from two uh, moms who've gone through this because I hear so many at so different times. But, so for example, you're going to the store and your child just always runs away from you, okay, and they do it over and over and over and over again, and they just keep doing it, right? So, they're failing. So they cannot succeed in this case. So, you know, they have some self-control and that's true. And actually it can show out in a variety of ways. You know, maybe they always run away from you, but they never run more than, where they can't see you. So this shows that they are controlling themselves by keeping you and eye of view. So it isn't that they don't have self-control, but they do not have the self-control to stay near you like you want them to. So if you therefore allow them to keep running away from you a million times, then in their mind, it's going to, they're going to decide, well, I can, I, I can, I don't have to stay close. Nothing happens. Or, I can't like when I have the wiggles, I just have to use them and run off, you know, or it doesn't matter if I run away from mom, nothing really happens. Like they can decide all of these things and then they just get used to doing that thing that they shouldn't do. So the key is in this case, when we know when our kids are consistently failing at something, we don't, we want to do success training. Essentially, we want to set the environment up so that they can't fail in that way. Because this will help them begin to see the strengths they have that can keep them doing what you need to happen, right? So, if that's always the case, there is a million things you could do. One of them is you are like, okay, if you run away from me next time, I am, you know, uh, then the next time you are just not going to be able to come. It's just clear you are not quite ready to be able to come to the store with me, okay? Or you put them in the top of the cart, but that's only if they're little. Or you make them hold on to the buggy while you are walking. Or if they lose it and you've lost it, that's we have to leave. We have to go. Or you know i mean there's honestly so many options but the issue is you don't don't keep doing what keeps failing don't keep doing what keeps failing and the way to make it succeed is not to put it off on the child and say they'll just do it better they're showing they can't or they're not or they won't or they don't whatever it is you're the one with your boundary that's going to have to make it happen so boundaries are always what we do the boundary is what we make happen. So yes, if we have a rule and we're, we're going to enforce it, the kids can, and you know, maybe there's a bunch of different ways that rule can be enforced. Like the child could walk right beside you or they got to keep their hand on the cart or they can go up and down the one aisle you're on, but not every other. Aisle. You see what I'm saying? There's a lot of interpretations and it's not that there has to be some specific rule that you don't care about. But if your child consistently won't do the thing that you need them to do, then they, they're not ready the words they're not ready is not, I don't know. That's not exactly what I mean, or that they can't. It just means you now need to, because if your boundary is they don't just run all over the store, you're the one that keeps it. And the way you keep it is, you know, the worst case is they just can't come to the store anymore. And now, I mean, what does that mean? That Does that mean now maybe you have to do grocery pickup or you have to go in the evening when they're not there? Or I don't know, you know, but that's just one example. But I want you to think about how, you can create an environment where they can succeed. So instead of repeating yourselves a million times, one, now these all these examples aren't going to directly apply to every situation because the situations in which we could continually repeat ourselves are like, you know, infinite. Okay. But if it's something where you're in the same room with your child and you ask once or twice and they won't do it, then you just go intervene right? And I'm now, I'm not talking about this one-time obedience and this very straight that first time. I'm not even talking about that. Okay. That's not, uh, that's not what I mean. I just mean, if you're asking them to do something and they flat out won't do it, then don't just sit in your chair and tell them to do it 50 times. You just get up and you intervene. Okay. So if you're asking your child to sit down and they keep sitting down, going, making around a room, coming back, sitting, this would be a case when you would ask them to sit down, if they don't, you just go get them And you sit them down either on your lap or you sit them down beside you. Maybe you put your hand on them. I'm not talking about manhandling. I'm talking, no, this is nothing, nothing like that. Okay. I don't even spank. So if you're like, Rachel's one of these people that like, they just got arrested and you're going to put your, no. Okay. What I'm saying is this idea that we can't even physically create a barrier for our kids means that they are just barrierless, right? So if your kid won't sit down, you go get them, take their hand, bring them back, sit them down. They have to sit if they can't do it, then you sit with, you know, you you hold their hand, you keep them there. You just make sure that they stay. You don't let them get up. You see what I mean? Especially when they're little. And I was sharing this in one of my groups, um, or in my coaching group with some other colleagues. And one of the coaches said, she remembers back, she has six or seven kids maybe and has grandkids. As well, and she said she remembers reading years ago, you know, how to get my kid to do X, Y, Z. And she came upon something. She said it was probably 20 years ago. And it was called G-O-Y-B Parenting. It was called Get Off Your Butt <laughs> Parenting. And we laughed because it was like, the, the truth is, sometimes we just got to get off our butts. We just got to get up and go do the thing that we want to happen, right? So it's like we want our child to sit down beside us instead of running around the room crazy, whatever uh room it might be. or we, Or not running up and down the aisles, okay, if we're at a store. Um, that's what we want them to do. So, but instead of just calling to them a million times and telling them to stop, we just need to sometimes get off our butt or just get on our feet and go get them and bring them back and hold their hand or stand them in front of us. Uh, I shared this with a mom recently and put our hands kind of on their shoulders, just loving touch that says, nope, you're staying here with me, right? So if they, if our child always runs away, we want to keep them close by holding hands or having them hold on to something and being clear about the boundary. Nope. When we're walking, you have to keep your hand on the cart. You have to stay within one feet, one, um, you know, whatever. One cart length from mom, whatever it is. You can make up any of what these are, but you want to communicate, you know, what they are. So now if you have a child that just won't come to you, um, then you go to them or, or so for example, in a situation where like, it's time to go kids. It's time to go. 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 And we say it like a million times. This is when you might gather a kid, especially if they're younger and take them to the car and then strap them in. Especially if you have another adult, you just, you just do it. You do it. Instead of letting them run all around and you standing stationary yelling at everybody, you go get them. Okay, nope, now we're in the pack. Let's go find a brother. Now we're in the pack. Okay, so now I'm not saying you're going to leave your, your Todd like, you know, these, these all have to be applied to the age. But my point is, whenever our boundary is, is, is this is what we're going to do and this needs to happen, we are the ones that make it happen. And if we are verbally trying to make it happen, but they're not doing it, then we have to make it happen in a different way. So if the verbal instructions fails, we need to pivot, okay? So cumulatively over time, if you end up going and making the boundary happen without repeating yourself a million times, they will respond better to your word, okay? And these are in love. These are sweet. This is why I actually end up saying a lot of times when our kids, when we don't have good boundaries, we end up mean, mad, and yelling a lot. And that's not how we want to feel, but when we have more firm boundaries and whenever we intervene early, we actually are just calmer, sweeter, nicer, and more gentle and nurturing. It's, it's, it's amazing how it goes like that. So it feels like if we have boundaries we're being mean, but what ends up happening is when we have no boundaries, we get mad and we yell, and then we are mean far more often. So if in the example of, you know, Say the kids are fighting with each other in the living room and they're making a loud noise or they're yelling upstairs. And, you know, we're like, stop, stop, stop. If we just go right up there, okay, we're done with this. This was too loud. So we're going to take that play outside or we're not playing this anymore. What's something y'all can do besides this? You haven't lost your cool. You haven't yelled. You know, you, you see what I mean? You've just had to, you know, get up off your behind and go do it. But then you can do it in kindness. You've intervened before you've lost it. You've intervened before you have gone into rage. And then you're just like, Okay, uh, you guys were having fun playing, but that's just not going to be okay with me now. There's got to be something else we can do. And so you're making it happen because that boundary is your responsibility. So in whenever we're thinking about this, repeating ourselves a million times and all this, I want you to, if there's a specific situation in which it happens a lot, I want you to zoom back and try to figure out how to avoid this before you get to it. So if it's a situation where, no, now say you're going to have to go to church and, you know, for 45 minutes, your child's going to have to basically not be making tons of noise. You know, that's just an example. How can I zoom back and set them up for success in this scenario without having to get mad and yell? Um, How can I do that? So one way is you explain your expectations before. Okay, this is what we're okay with. This is what we're not okay with. Any thoughts, any ideas, (laughs) And you know, depending on your age, kids will have them. So you want to make sure that your kids know what, what you expect of them to do to give them a, a fighting chance at doing it. Now, sometimes they know and they don't care and they, or, you know, they're not going to do it anyway, but sometimes they don't know, right? Sometimes we just haven't expressed really what we want them to do and how they can um, respond within that. And so that is something that we want to do. Another thing that we can do in the moment is to go to our child Um, if say in, whenever we're tempted to repeat ourselves over and over again, we can just, you know, get up over behind and go to them. And then I would start with speaking low and in like a normal tone of tone of voice, because the the issue is we don't want to purposefully humiliate our kids just to get them to act right. Okay. It's not like if I humiliate them, then they'll do what I say, maybe, but then they'll have the sense of humiliation and shame. And of course we don't want to do that to them. Right. So if we go to them and yelling at them, repeating over and over again, is actually almost gives, it's almost more humiliating from them, even though they can seem like they don't care because they're just ignoring us. You know, they're getting stares from everybody. People are like, mom's losing it or the kid don't listen or whatever people think. And now we're not parenting based on what other people think. okay? But in a situation where we know we would repeat ourselves over and over again, we just go to, say we're trying to get them off the playground to get to the car. We go to them. Okay, we're going to go now. Come with me or whatever you want to say. And then I see you don't want to go, you know, say it's, we're going to, I can tell you don't want to leave. You're not ready to leave. And we have to leave, huh? There must be some way that we can get to the car without throwing down. Okay. Whatever you want to say. So going to them will kind of stop you from in the end, getting over there and jerking them and pulling them and they're screaming and everybody, you know, because we just got past the point and then we lost it. Right. So now another example, say it's screen time and you're trying to tell them to get off and they won't get off. You can zoom back and think, I'm always telling them to get off. I tell them 50 times. They don't listen. They come up with a million reasons. I feel like I'm arguing. I lose it. I get mad. Well, something that you can do, if a, an example of zooming back on this is you just set timers on the their device so that it only works for a certain amount of time. I don't know how, we don't have, I don't have devices for my kids, but I know there's a way you can say, okay, they get an hour of games a day or 30 minutes. So then after that, it's just going to stop. And so then there is no fight. Now, you might not want to do this because you might want them to be able to finish a game. Okay. But if you get, if you have said, okay, this is what we're going to do. And if you, won't stop when I ask X, Y, Z, then that shows me that you're not able to be in charge of stopping and starting your time. And so then next time I'm going to make a rule around that. If they refuse, you just shut the Wi-Fi up. You see what I mean? Like instead of repeating yourself a million times, you just get that thing to happen in a different way. Okay. So to recap, kind of, we don't want to give our kids freedoms they can't handle. And the proof of whether, if your child has proven they're going to fail at something, don't keep sending them out there to do it. So it's like if, if you know your child is going to fall if you put them on a balance beam and they fail every single time, it's not like just get back out there, do it. You'll get it one of these days. Instead, you would actually, you know, draw a, a masking tape line on the ground and have them learn to balance and stay on that. And as they got better, the challenge might increase till then they could go to the balance beam. So if they've proven that they failed, don't let them keep failing over and over again because... If we let, if we keep putting our kids in positions where they're going to fail instead of succeed, then they're going to keep failing. And then they're going to begin to feel like they are failures at that and what we act based on what we believe we are. So if at all possible, then we want to set them up to succeed and not to fail. So I hope this encourages you because if you're repeating yourself a million times, you ain't alone, okay, that you don't have to repeat yourself a million times. You can intervene early and figure out what your boundaries are. And you can create an environment where they're less likely to fail so that you don't even have to deal with that in the first place. If you have any questions, of course, you can hit me up um, at my email or my website. I'm on YouTube as well or Instagram. And thank you for joining me, mama. Until next time. As always, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. You can find me on my website, A Mother Far From Home, and on YouTube under the same name. If you like this podcast, I'd love it if you could write a five-star review, and it'll help all the algorithms to get it in front of other moms who benefit from this encouragement. Until next time, keep it real out there, mama.